Sam Hume. Oh, hey, thanks, Noah. Wow. I thought me and Sam Hine were going to have to split a mic like Mick and Keith. <laughs> <laughs> Technical back, difficulties. Tick, tick, tick. I was reading this weird thing about how Keith Richards like loves shepherd's pie. <laughs> Have you ever Ooh, read this? No, that's awesome. And he always has it backstage, and he, like he gets to crack it. You like, do, don't like, crack no Keith's shepherd to pie. Eat it until Keith <laughs> has had his share of Is shepherd's that true pie. of just all English people? They all just love shepherd's pie. Definitely. Yeah. That's right, folks. That voice you're hearing is Will Welch. Hey. Uh, in the room for episode sixty-two. We. Oui. Did we confirm oui. the number? Yeah, sixty-two. We. Oui. Thank you, Sam. Uh, uh, Sam's wearing a doily. I said it before. I'm going to say it again in case it was missed. He looks cute. Well, who's who makes your shirt? Uh, this is Bodie. Emily Adams Bodie. Shout Courtesy out. Courtesy of Emily Adams Bodie. Good friend of everyone in the room. Care of. Good friend of every American, really. Out there doing it for America, representing American fashion. Our friend and yours. In Paris. Uh, Will's just back from Paris. Sort of just back from Paris. Yep. Pretty you, lagged you've out been still. A, other places in between, though. Yep, went to L.A. from Paris, uh, and then came back to New York, which is why it's that time of the afternoon where the dubstep drop hits me. Like, we're in a meeting, <laughs> and I'm just like, uh, how, How's L.A. And right then, now? And then it becomes a fight. What's L.A. like? I don't know. I was there for 16 hours. Yikes. I spent as much time on the plane, did more you, time on the plane to and from L.A. than I did in L.A. Did you get a hotel room just to put your bags down or something? I stayed with a friend. That's nice. Yeah. Keeps it homey. Um, but LA's the shit, man. I love LA. Yeah. I'm happy to be there even if it's just for 16 hours. I like it there, too. Different vibe. Different culture. Uh, Paris Fashion Week. Um, who's got the first hot take to drop regarding what we saw? I think we're all looking at Rachel. I know. Uh, bare chests. Yeah, yeah, a lot of them. A lot of cleavage. Just male. Do you think cleavage. Rick Owens can single-handedly bring back the deep V, as in the deep V-neck T-shirt, which you know, I think every model on that show wore? And it's really cool when a designer is able to find a model who looks exactly like them. Agreed. And he was able to find a model <laughs> yeah. who had his exact abs. It was yeah. so cool. The opening model had yeah. his exact. That's abs. That's a little bizarre. Do you think maybe they trained together for a couple of years and like Rick was like, okay, you have to eat everything I eat. You have to do every crunch I do. Yeah. And then eventually we. And would I would become. do that. That's the kind of like experience that I would pay for. I thought, um, so that Rick Owens show I thought was great, but zooming out a little, I thought I, it occurred to me that we're in the, that there's a golden age of the men's shows right now. Oh my God, it's crazy. I just, there's, there's definitely more than there ever was, which maybe sounds like a really obvious comment, but I think when you're in it, you're used to seeing the same shows season after season and maybe you don't notice it, it slowly expanding. Yeah, you're like, oh, let's see what's in store for us. I mean, i I've said it I've said it before but not into this particular microphone. It is like starting to get to feel like an Art Basel Coachella. Yeah. Like a global cultural happening. Yeah. Like I can't tell you how many times at at Paris Fashion Week this season people are like, "Dude, what are you doing tomorrow? You want to hang out?" I was like, "No, I'm going to shows from 9 a.m. to 10 p.m. Yeah. every day this week." But the point is not that I'm cool and they're not. The point is that there are people that are there for all kinds of reasons that are like, you know, from from like activations or they're there for one show or they're there for the hang or, the, you know, like all there a million different reasons to Paris to be at Paris Fashion yeah. Week. Yeah. And I was actually in the vast minority being like having a schedule of shows to go to every day. Right. And like one guy was like, how many shows do you go to over the course of the week? Like eight or ten? I was like, yes, per day. <laughs> For the course of a week. <laughs> and more and more, I think, uh, more and more of them feel essential. Like, they're the essential shows that you always need to see, and then it's it's like that list seems to be It's a pretty banging list. Growing. It's a pretty banging list. Um, which I and think then there are great. also a bunch of cool, and I probably saw like one-tenth of what I wanted to, uh, people, smaller brands doing showroom appointments. Yeah. So I basically made it to Evan Canori. And Yanya and Van Esch, yeah. and that's it. I did not go meet the homies at Our Legacy. I had in I had the best intentions. You didn't make it to the soiree. I did not make it. We to We couldn't the soiree. stop talking about the soiree. The soiree we cared about. Uh, 
that they, Ian Isaiah performed at? Yeah. 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 Was they, not there. They always do a daytime soiree that's just really like beautiful in this garden courtyard. But this time around, I think they really elevated the there's, the scene. There's so much going on and so much to get to. And um, I won't dwell on this, but the traffic is so fucked. Yeah. And then if you have a schedule that is all day, every day, the other options, which is like the metro or a bike, don't really work. Yeah. I mean, it's just not feasible. Yeah. So uh, it's very, very hard to get around. And everything's scattered all over the city, all of which is totally fine. It just means you have to pick your moments and you often have the best intentions and it just doesn't pan out. Um, but at least I saw Kenori and Yan Yan Vanish. They say what's up to the team. Hey. Hey. Like the pod. <laughs> Getting Yan Yan Vanish on the pod would be just a legendary move. I'm not sure how it would work. There I, was, I don't know if he comes to New York. I don't. I don't know what would happen, but... An amazing um, exchange I had with with Yan Yan is I got to the um, you know the it was like a I don't know a space with a kitchen where that they were showing their collection and they had um, one of Yan Yan's best friends as a chef. You talked about this in the Atelier yeah. Solar Shop Charlotte. feature in yep. GQ style. So they're cooking there, and I was like, you know, has it been really intense with the appointments? And then people were, because of the, the traffic situation, people were missing shows left and right, and like there was a lot of chaos because yeah. it was it was especially difficult to get around. Uh, there was some big air show in town this week, and right. there was all this stuff going on. Uh, so anyway, I was asking Yan Yan if, um, you know, it had been hectic. And he was like, uh, no, we try to keep it relaxed. <laughs> he was like, my friend's cooking. There's some gelato and some sorbetto coming out of there soon. And we just try to like kind of do it our way. Yeah. And I was like, oh, man, what a good idea. This also happened to me on set of one of our photo shoots recently. So I walked into one of our photo shoots and I can get a little bit amped up on photo shoot days. There's just a lot of. There's a lot riding on having yeah, a, yeah. Gr a great photo shoot, a lot of budget, a, a lot, lot of like stake. the future of the magazine and the photographer, which was, which was Jason Osito. I walked on set and he was like, hey, man, uh, what if we just try to like take it easy and enjoy ourselves today and have a little <laughs> bit of fun with this? And I was like, oh, my God. It, no, it changed my life. It changed. It seriously changed my life because I now have been going back to that where certain high stress things are happening i'm like what shoot was that hey, can what, you say yet or no what if we what if we try to enjoy this is that a shoot that's been out yet um do you remember it might have been the jonah hill modi cover 2018 pre new gq oh nice i think that's really what it was stuck with you I, oh yeah no i've been thinking i think about it once a day yeah like what if i just try to enjoy this and not get all amped up and you hosted a party in paris that looked uh you damn both, right it looked both hyped i was up about to enjoyable. i was about to play that cool but fuck that shit yeah, <laughs> yeah. you goddamn right that looks like the 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 sort of zone where everyone all the cool people who were in paris fashion week whether they were going to shows or not kind of assembled what i meant when i said a a, a golden age for the men's shows in paris was that uh uh, Will's Will's ever growing party is. It's not my party. It's GQ's party and GQ styles and corporate lunches. Is it, it? You know, it's now that it's realigned. The universe and is now uh, at the center. The um, there was a great moment this uh, at the one. It's been on Friday night the last three seasons. It started because the season that it was Kim's first season at Dior. Virgil had taken um, Kim's place. What did Lucas Abbott call? call the Virgil show in our in the GQ style cover story like uh, like the greatest link up of all time or something yeah. like that <laughs> which was a hundred percent like absolutely true anyway there was just all this energy all this excitement it was like felt like the biggest moment in the history of menswear at least as it pertains to like a fashion week and all these people were there and I was like man there's not like one we we can't all get together and celebrate this incredible moment. Yeah. And I was like, well, we're fucking GQ. We should like create that space. So I called the, for my first call was to a side who is the, he's been on corporate lunch. Um, probably the best DJ in the world. As far as I'm concerned, yeah. my second call was to Alex who owns La Avenue. And I said, do you got like can, Alex? Can we have the second floor of La Avenue? A side. Will you play records? Um, can we make this happen? And so we just kind of like, I think of it almost as like creating an empty container 
and then just saying, anybody want to come yeah. hang? And that happened, and it was really fun. So then we did it again in January, and then we did it again uh, last week. And, yeah, it went off. But um, uh, a bunch of people were eating downstairs at La Avenue, and the party was, like, kind of gaining some steam. And then Hank Corson, Brock from No Vacancy, his little brother was DJing before A-Side. And A-Side came up and started playing records. And then Tremaine Emery from No Vacancy walked in, and he was like, find me a microphone so we plugged in, we plugged in a microphone for him and the, the there was like a sound guy there and uh the sound guy handed him the mic and tremaine just went three pete <laughs> <laughs> and i was like yeah this is it this is the, the third season of the world's greatest party i it does feel like three seasons you're right that when that the first season when it was um the first dior show with kim jones and virgil's first vuitton show and the celine uh eddie's debut debut uh that really did realign things and at the moment we were aware of it like this is uh historically significant yeah uh all of this these things happening but i think what's happened since it seems to me is like everyone has had to step up you know like yeah. er everyone has risen to the occasion right like all boats uh rise with the tide and um i think like th the people who were probably thrilled to be uh, sharing the week with Eddie Slimane again, like yep. stepped up. The people who were bitter that Virgil got this big job stepped up. It was like, oh, if you're better, then prove it. Yeah, exactly. The people, uh, you know, and, and, and obviously what Kim Jones is, is doing with Dior and the resources he has there is pretty impressive just to see like how far it can be pushed in terms of scale and collaborations and uh, development and you know we shot like a sixty thousand dollars shirt <laughs> yeah in GQ style so uh, but I what what's been rad I think to me and maybe we should talk about some favorite collections is just like how much in addition to those collections I just named but like how much amazing stuff kind of feels like it's like rising to the occasion around that it's absolutely true you can't like phone in a paris if you're showing in paris right now you can't phone yeah. in a collection and that's always been the case but i think that majorly right now i mean when i first started going to fashion shows the juice was definitely in milan yeah yeah like absolutely prada it was, like, it I was mean, big yeah, business there. it was gucci, gucci prada was all that stuff yeah. and then gucci the energy started moving to paris it became more of like a moment that was about creativity and fashion instead of yeah. power and the classicism so that was moving the energy to paris and then gucci and a bunch of other brands in milan started showing they combined their shows during women's week so that took a little bit of the juice out um and then paris just grew and grew and grew and then it became the great link up <laughs> but also like the the men's shows are now like penetrating on the level that a lot of the women's shows are totally there's that level of attention. Yeah. yeah. Like all of my friends who work in women's wear are like, I now need to pay an equal amount of attention to what's happening in men's wear. Yeah. And a lot of times, like the ideas that a designer has, like they'll sort of start them at men's week and then like mm -hmm. sort of pursue right. them more in women's. When one thing that I always thought was smart when Justin O'Shea, who we now know as the designer of Triple S World Corp, when he was a women's wear buyer at um, My Teresa, which is a big uh, German-based fashion e-commerce site, he was a buyer for them, and he would go to all the men's shows because he would basically get a preview of what the designer was going to do at the women's. Yeah. And he said he was the only one. There are obviously people at buyers who do who both who are at both, but he was he. I remember him saying, well, I don't think anybody fact-checked this, but he was just a women's buyer, and of the ones who only buy women's, he was the only one who did that, and he thought it gave him an advantage, which I think makes sense. Because there's just a, the fact of the calendar, right? The men's shows just go first. Yeah, so whatever world the yeah. designer is building for that season, yeah. you get to walk through it for the first time at the men's collections. The other thing that happened in Paris this week is the Karl Lagerfeld Oh, memorial. 2,500 person memorial. So that brought even more people. Our own Anna Wintour was at the Louis Vuitton, Virgil's Louis Vuitton show. She was in town for the ah, for Carl, Pharrell. Pharrell um, he wasn't at shows, but he was around that week because mm -hmm. he was performing. Obviously, there's the Pharrell Chanel connection, and he and yeah. Carl, Carl were really close, so he was around. So, um, yeah, just you with GQ style, especially, we're always talking about like following the energy. And the energy in Paris right now is just out of control. 
Um, should we talk about collections a little bit? I have yeah. a, a, a maybe this is the most obvious thing in the world, but oh, read Rachel's take by the way. Rachel's GQ.com piece. Um, about sexy menswear. About sexy menswear. Oh, let's start yeah. there. Let's start there. Let's start there. That's a banger, RT. Thanks. Tell us more. <laughs> well, Damn no. What was the, uh, <laughs> I was like waiting for it. What's the? Uh, what was the? What was the impetus? What was the moment or, where you realized? At that? What, yeah. At what point were you like, oh, here's a story? Well, first I just thought like a lot of the stuff uh, that Saint Laurent was showing in there, which was like the fir- the kickoff show of the season, which yeah. was in Los Angeles, was like it was sexy. Like they sh- like he did Anthony Vaccarello did like actual going out tops. Yeah, <laughs> this totally. was the show on the beach in, in Malibu. Malibu. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Keanu was there, of and course. there was a lot of Face kind of, of like that like sixties and seventies like Mick Jagger sort of stuff, like billowing kinds of fabrics yeah. and things that you traditionally would kind of see like in women's wear um, it was very like heroin in the south of france yeah yeah um but then i also noticed like prada was doing a lot of these which was the kind of the next show which was in shanghai was doing a lot of like tunic tops that almost looked like something that i would buy and like wear as a dress which is what i've done before with like raf simmons pieces from the past and that sort of like energy continued and you started to see like more and more of these like very feminine pieces yeah. across a lot of the menswear shows. Um, and I just thought that was really interesting because I think like more and more people are thinking about like gender fluid dressing and like tailoring is a big thing right now as well, which is something we've been talking about a lot. Like tailoring's huge in women's now. Yeah, right? tailoring yeah. is huge in women's. And when I think when we th- when we traditionally like the idea that you have in your mind of like gender fluid dressing is like kind of like something that's Celine, but maybe a little more masculine, like Phoebe yeah. Philo's Celine. Yeah, yeah. But I think that's actually like shifting and this now like gender fluid dressing is more about something feminine and more like right from women's wear right when high street brands used to do like gender neutral collections it was just like they were just the lookbooks were just women wearing yeah. men's clothes jackets yeah or, yeah yeah um but like at loewe there were those that like, show was uh, sick yeah that show Ooh. was so, so beautiful good. peter one of my favorites and there were a lot of these like i mean they weren't even tunics they were they were dresses Tuni- um, yeah, tunicky dresses and those kind of, of like layered pieces, like towards the beginning of the show, that were a little like almost like a a d- dressed version of like a, a Craig Green made into a dress. I guess mm-hmm. I would describe it. What's interesting also about that is that it feels like every one of these collections, like the the core of it was tailoring. There was just like suiting and tailoring up the wazoo, and I. To me, that felt this feels like like a noticeable difference. Maybe not since like last season or the season before, but definitely since a couple of years ago. Does that seem right? Does yeah, it I seem- think I think fashion is on. You know, the like we always talk about energy and things moving in waves, and there is a wave that is. It's not a conscious, planned. There's intentionality behind it, obviously, and like people taking stock of what's going on and making choices. But there's something going on that's bigger than any one person or group of people's decision to kind of turn the page on the streetwear moment yeah, and to, like, elevate fashion again. I think it's – one thing that just seems sort of apparent is that it's a way to, like, flex sort of, like, technique and fabrics and, and like, silhouette. Like, there's, there's like, pot, a lot of possibility there. And then it's – from there, like the accessorization of it, like the Virgil's harness was like the kickoff of, and then Kim Jones had the sat, the the like sash, mm-hmm. kind of addition to the suit, and then and then so on. You saw a lot like Elik's with various buckles and hardware that also appear in Kim Jones's shows. But it's the chain on the Elik's jacket, sick. I thought was so yeah. sick. Mm-hmm. That was go ahead. I, I was just gonna say like if you think about just hanging a chain on a piece of fabric, the fabric is naturally gonna pull. Yeah. But the way that it pulled, like technically, that was just like one of the most interesting things that I saw the whole season. I have I have a question about the Dior sash suit. Do you, if you wear one of those, do you just have to carry the sash trail <laughs> the whole time? Like the, exact- Sam, that's what your assistant is for, <laughs> or, right? Or do you have someone just or like eight feet behind you? holding it I think i'm actually it, curious you let it drag you it's important like, if, to wear that suit it's important to be a dom in a in a relationship and, and, <laughs> yeah. and you have the su- your sub sig other carry the sash okay obviously or your assistant or something yeah, yeah. or paid help mm-hmm. 
All right. I'm glad we cleared that up. The what I thought because <laughs> you're gonna wear one next week. I was also super into the elite suit with the chain on it because what we see. I mean, going to menswear shows like season in and season out, what you constantly see is people trying to innovate on the suit. And so often it is about like people having an idea. And what still doesn't work in menswear, I think, is somebody's crackpot idea. What what I don't like the menswear still needs to be rooted in some sort of baseline functionality. Yeah. Like it has to be an idea that is iterative on something that was once there for a purpose you can't just do something for its own sake i find and have it be successful and every year there's like some like i said crackpot suits coming down the runway and you're like nah dog it just doesn't work but the chain felt it felt real it didn't feel like um um an idea being like like projected onto the suit it felt yeah. like grounded and something legit it's interesting to read. I think where you get the the best kind of rundown of it is maybe in the Vogue runway review, but listening to Matt Williams, the designer of Elix, or um, uh, or I don't know if it was in the show notes or what, but he's still like doing insane things with product development. Like the way yeah. they're developing fabrics and hardware and stuff and is is super is innovative, I think in a, in a in a good way, in a like in a yeah. based in function way. Uh, he's also most of that innovation is also based in sustainability. Yeah, that's he was right. telling me that they figured out a way to dye a leather jacket that doesn't use any water because right. it uses the pre-existing moisture that is left in the animal hide. Yeah, wow. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> because Say that again. <laughs> so sick. That's pretty wild. That's interesting, too, because I think sustainability is also one of these, like, things that often leads to crackpot ideas. Right. And this season, and also you're seeing this in women's where I think, two people are actually, like, approaching sustainability in a way that's cool and super creative. And, and Like it's, the trash hats at Marnie, for example. Oh, totally. That's right. But it's about putting the, like, the the garment itself first. So if you, like, if you talk to Apple about the, the sustainability that's going into the iPhone. They're like, it can't, we're not asking our customers to do us any favors. Like the iPhone has to continue yeah. to get better and better, even as it gets more and more recycled and sustainable. And that to me seems like Matt's, Matt Williams approach to a leaks where he's like, I'm trying to innovate and make these more and more desirable garments while also making them more and more sustainable. And that is what keeps like, the desire high yeah because at the end of the day if it doesn't feel luxurious a lot of people not everyone but a lot of people aren't going to do it and i also think he's being smart in the messaging which he's like not billing it as a sustainable brand it's just like a dope fashion brand and yeah then if to to whatever extent you care about the the research and the the process that went into the creating the garment then all that information is there um did you go to, on an opposite note, did you go to Vetmont show at McDonald's? No. What was Damn. the... We love that Do you have any intel show. on we that? I'm sort that of show. obsessed with it. Not I'm just, just just the idea I, of I've it. I've been like, looking for it, and I'm, I'm happy to do it publicly. I've been looking forward to talking to you guys about that show because I was a little bit like, isn't this the same joke? It's, yeah. I mean, it, it very much feels like... To but me, you it guys feel like that punchline is still landing. I wasn't there and I didn't I haven't like I've I've only experienced that show as it came to me on my timeline. I did not go click through it. So we're all in sort of the same boat. Yeah. One thing that just blew my mind is like this is a very simple thing but it really floors me. Runway shows are photographed from one vantage point basically. All the photographers sit in a pit and the models walk towards them and they all get the same photo. And however they had this set up the photo is taken with the McDonald's logo sitting on the right shoulder of the models quite quite <laughs> large so it, wh what you really have to think about is there's 54 looks in this show so everyone that ran these collection images ran a very large mcdonald's logo for free 54 times like that's a thing that like yeah. now i don't know what kind of deal well, Demna, flying the flag of like subversive fashion exactly i don't know what kind of deal demna made with mcdonald's if any other than just renting the space for this event like yeah. oh, it would be really fascinating and i hope someone can tell us uh 
like some backstory on that and how that happens because I've never heard of someone renting a McDonald's before. I'm guessing to, like McDonald's, period, not just for a fashion if show. If they don't have stop. like internal rules against it, they at least like they're profitable enough that you don't have to rent out your McDonald's totally. like to private people in order to like make an extra buck. Like you're already McDonald's. Yeah, making bucks. Um, that all being said, I'm waiting to see like Act Two of Vetmon. I still feel like we're we're in Act One and it's getting a little tired. Yeah, I guess that's what I mean. That it felt like a continuation of Act One. Like you have these characters; they're a little more extreme, but like this, this is just like a familiar sense of like this casting and playing with these like archetypes. Well, I'm I, I'm aware of how this is reductive, but it's essentially normcore. Like, yeah. Yeah, I felt like this one was a little bit more of a pointed critique of the way that rich people kind of like slum it. Mm-hmm. Like, which I know is like their whole thing, but it felt a little bit more pointed mm. this time because of the iconogra- iconography that he was working with. I mean, he had like used the World he- Economic Forum yeah. logo and like, you know, McDonald's has like this kind of particular reputation, I think, in Europe as being something that like rich people really like to go to and mm. they kind of wink about it. Like Jill Sander, for example, like notoriously loves McDonald's. Uh-huh. And whenever Is she's right? dri- yeah, whenever she's driving to Stad, there's a particular McDonald's that she goes to. Like <laughs> the, ben- the Bentley pulls over. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> she has yeah. that sweet blue Bentley. Yeah. I mean, there's this incredible, like beautiful uh. photograph of her. And it's like, um, I think it's in a train station in Italy that appeared in System Magazine a couple of years ago. And she's oh. got her Celine luggage tote and her uh, McDonald's Crushing a Happy Meal. Yeah, so it felt a little bit more like he was getting at, like, yeah, I see, like, I'm sort of stuck in this position where, like, the clothing that I'm making is being sold to people who are like, isn't it funny that I'm wearing this thing making fun of rich people? And it's like, Mm -hmm. yeah, like, as you wear it, it's a prank on yourself. Right. So I felt like that was a little more pointed than usual. Yeah, a sharper knife. Yeah. 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 I'm down. I I didn't really like the... um, the DHL stuff that it did, like sort of using this like uniform of the working class, uh, you know, in order to make this sort of like esoteric high fashion statement for rich people. So I like did not really like this collection either um, because it's, it's, you know, he, the like, DHL stuff was like a year ago. Yeah, right? yeah. Yeah. And, and like the for rent hats that like the delivery man, uh, you know, guys were wearing in this show. It just felt like extra bleak to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know he's definitely tracking. He like, might count extra. Dimna might count extra bleak in the W column. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yes. Yeah. I have no doubt. No, I have no yeah, doubt. I that think that discomfort uh, that, is exactly that's what, he's what he's trying to do is create that. aiming for. It doesn't mean you gotta like it. I think it. it was Sarah Mower who did the review for Vogue.com, uh, but she made the point that like it's gonna be crazy when people rent those particular garments on like yeah, rent. rent the- <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Um. Uh, my favorite show, maybe in a similar vein, was the Raph Simmons show. Raph, yeah, so great. good. Um, so I don't know if it came across in the in the in the reviews or the the photos, but there was a um, streak to that show that was. Uh, and this is not out of it's not abnormal for Raph, but yeah. it took on a different tone. I thought was yeah. which was like uh, angry at corporate America. Yeah. Which post I wonder Cal- why post Calvin Klein felt <laughs> also pointed, yeah. and people had pointed out that he was using some of that similar language while he was here. Yeah, but I it I did notice that it felt more pointed, and that it sure. was in the soundtrack. I can't remember exactly. There was a David Bowie. Uh, wasn't there a Bowie song lyric in the because the soundtrack was what's his name Michelle. What's the DJ's name? The fashion DJ? Gobert. Yeah, Gobert. Yeah. He did yeah. the music, right? But I don't there know. was there was a particular line. I, I typed it into the notes on my phone, but I don't have my phone on me. But it was something about corporate America being shitty. I'm and then they all Americans. said stoned America, you know. Um, but I thought that, yeah, I thought that um, the collection seemed like he was, it's totally consistent with his 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 work long for a long time at, at RAF, the sort of dystopian youth, uh, like, kind of punk street kid thing uh post-apocalyptic sort of vibe but i just thought there was like real beauty in it and the silhouettes were very appealing there were these like boots with big tongues and then dress socks pulled up and then kind of long bunch of short skirts amazing like tees and like really beautiful looking knits which i think is what raf is is best at 
although he's good and at a coats. lot of things. Yeah. The thing that um, I was struck by sitting at that show was that as far out as they take the looks, yeah, the way that all the pieces are put together, they're always fully resolved. Yeah. Like the styling can be really whacked out, yeah. but it is like fully it's just fully resolved. Yeah. I don't have a better way to put yeah. it. You're like, yeah, that work. I have no idea what the fuck is going on, yeah. but it like all comes yeah. together and works. I think and that is incredibly yeah. impressive. Do him and Peter style the collections or do they work with a stylist? Don't know. Would like and to I haven't, know. I haven't, it's not something that's like, whatever it is, is brilliant. Like think about that show in yeah. Chinatown in New York. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Which had so much going on, but it was like such a look. Yeah. Like seared into the retina. That's I. I think it's a super good point, and that's I think that's sort of like where like real mastery lies, you know. Like Comedy Garçon shows are sort of like that too, where yeah. you're like encountering something, not just unfamiliar, but like unsettling. Yeah. Sometimes hard to understand. The the speaking of like the men's shows in particular, which I also love, but I think that it like a great piece of art or something. There's like a you can see that it is completely resolved. You the can room see is that tied there's an together. idea here yeah. and that and you can feel like you can spend time with it and and take meaning from it. Uh and and not like it's just like an exercise in experimentalism or whatever. I thought the Combs show was really cool too, although I, I, this one got a little weird. If you could get a <laughs> the the wigs were amazing. Yeah. Uh if you went you, to that, right? Yeah, I was yeah. at the comp show. It was awesome. Yeah. What was cool is there was a, um, it was introduced by the, uh, a live drummer uh-huh. who was up almost out of sight, but there's like Mondo drum rolls. Mm-hmm. And then it kicked into a soundtrack and then it went back to the live drummer at the end. And I was just like, it was really, the music was really impactful. Yeah. And I was like, it's so bad. They could have just used like a Buddy Rich edit, uh, yeah. you know, at the beginning and the end. But for whatever reason, it was like worth the extra. I mean, it's just, you know a genius who knows how to go the extra mile to like give the thing the oomph that it needs. Her taste in music is so amazing. Yeah. yeah. It's so great. One a couple of seasons ago she did like all Tom Waits. Yeah. It's a good that's a good show to watch the lot. Like I rarely watch a video recap of a yeah. show. I feel yeah. pretty satisfied with the images and like what I see on Instagram at this point, but comb shows are good to like rewatch if you have 20 minutes to spare. This one I guess is part she's doing something that she doesn't normally do which is like the it's the first act of a three-act thing that will the women's show will be the act two and then there will be an opera at the end of the year oh no way orlando it's all based in orlando florida no No, the opera is or or based on orlando the book by virginia wolf so exactly it's all based on a virginia wolf so most of the men in the show were wearing dresses wearing women's wear yeah there were dresses and these very punk wigs so um, there's more to see. If each of you could have a $10,000 gift certificate to one of those collections, which one would it be? Celine. Sam Hine. Sam would look would so like, good. Yeah. 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 Like, Sam, Sam would look yeah, He's ready to go. <laughs> I wish I we could should say just that. give it to you. <laughs> the Celine stuff, I mean, the, the one, there's so many looks, but like the just the black suit with the red shirt. Yeah. Like so that, nothing what, to it. Whatever look that number that is is just like amazing. But I love the, the double breasted jackets. Yeah, the the uh, the boot cut jeans look super cool. I'm it, it's all pretty impressive. That's a smart that's a smart take, Sam. Ten G's, Noah. Where do you put it? Um, I don't have a. Didn't ask if. <laughs> Uh, I feel like there's a right answer that I can't think of, but like Lueve comes to mind. Woo! Yeah, nice. you could probably get one joint. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I just think I love that where he's taking that sort of like hippie eclecticism, crafty thing into something that's just like insanely modern and luxurious. It's all just, and all the all the experimentation too is so grounded by the like the the stripes yeah. and the nautical. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Rachel, ten G's. Fendi. Fendi. Oh, yeah, I love the Fendi. Yeah, that love show the Fendi. was good. Like the leather lattice and like the work wear, which you could actually wear to garden, I think. Totally. Yeah. And the leather uh, watering can. Yep. You're going with Fendi accessories. Yeah. Ten grand. Yeah. Amazing. I can get half of one thing. <laughs> Will? Uh, I'm gonna say Aleks. Yeah, nice. this stuff is really nice. Also, would look really suit you particularly. Well. Yeah, I feel like I would would love to dress a little bit more like the 
our, our dystopian future. Yeah. Like that's something I aspired to do. Yeah. And I feel like that would be the key to it. Like if you could, Raph, you could also achieve that. One thing I noticed. Yeah, definitely. But I wouldn't, that would be a, another good place to put 10 G's. I would say. I would also put down a down payment on that electric Harley that, uh, <laughs> took his bow oh. on. That thing yeah. was sick. It's silent. I was just going to ask about the sound it makes. They added a whir. Yeah, you, you know to. what I mean when yeah. I say a whir. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, they had to for safety. It's added. The it, the yeah. bike wow. itself would make no noise. Otherwise, it would just it, it would so sneak cool. up on you. Yeah, yeah, you it's can't kind have of like sounds like a plane or something. Silent vehicles. But this are bad. is this is what's interesting is like in the not so distant future, the roads are going to be silent, and then you add to the mix as the rep from Harley Davidson said to me, people walking across the street on their iPhones. Yeah, dangerous combination. Maybe the future will be cars are silent and people make sounds. Like your iPhone will have a little siren. You won't hear it because you'll have your ear, (laughs) your pods in your ear. Maybe, um, maybe Ray could uh, design the sound of the electric cars and bikes of the future. That would be if David Byrne doesn't get there first. I was gonna say, or James Murphy doesn't. Those guys have both designed public, like municipal sounds, right? Yeah. David Byrne did like subway. And so did James um, Murphy. J- Mur- James Murphy wanted to. He he like asked the MTA if he could redo the uh, you know the swipe turnstile sound, yeah. and they said no. They were like, "Cool, bro. How about like, we can't you go back to our organic wine bar?" <laughs> you know what's you wild? <laughs> what's wild about these collections? And I keep I keep saying the most obvious things, but I think um, I I think I'm right, and it's wild. Every dude in every show carries a bag or an accessory. You got yeah. to. And I know that's a it's partly a business thing. Like these they these there's a lot of money in the accessories game for these brands and it's no secret that these these affairs are intended to sell the collections. Um but I also think it reflects like what how dudes are now, doesn't it? Do you think it's a little bit of both? Dudes- I feel I feel like it's um fashion brands being really aspirational and pushing things forward in terms of men being the next women. Yeah. Like yeah. one 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 thing that's really hard for the for fashion brands in terms of like menswear is that accessories business is still fractionary of women's. Right. And if that's right. So that's where you can make a lot They're of They're really trying to cover ex- ground to speed that up. Yeah. Mm. Well, thankfully we love little bags. I love little bags. It is really I would like a lot of those little uh Vuitton soft trunk bags. We've talked about that before. Yep. Those continue to be yeah. extremely dope. I was just going to say it's really crazy to think how far like men's fashion has progressed like yeah. just in the past 15 years because like there are those Dior saddle bags which like Kim Jones is doing is like a crossbody bag which yeah. was like the bag in the last season of Sex and the City. Oh no yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was not that was not that long ago. And to think of the think of like Carrie Bradshaw's like yeah, I know like I have a saddle bag and I'm like carrying it over my shoulder and that that is now like migrated to the front of men's bodies in the span funny. of like 15 yeah. years is crazy. Yeah. It's so cool. Uh I wonder s- what else we're doing that Carrie Carrie Bradshaw did. Oh my god, men are the new Carrie Bradshaw. Wearing, <laughs> how about how about wearing pearls? True. Did yeah. she wear pearls? I she don't did. Know. She wore like big that, mounds of pearls. There are pearls. There are continued was, to be pearls everywhere. Were pearls more of a Samantha thing? No. Well, I don't know. I mean, they were kind of more of a Charlotte thing. She was more like right. conservative. Totally. The Audrey Hepburn. Of you know the who career. else pearls are a thing for? Sam Hine oh, Productions. Yeah. Sam Hine Productions. Doilies and pearls. <laughs> it's a lifestyle. That's just, his Prince song. I just can't believe it's still. I mean, Raph did Doilies a show with pearls, pearls like three seasons ding, ago. Ding, pearl necklaces. Ding, That's right. He's still doing pearls, like hanging off of his coats and stuff. Mm-hmm. The comb show this season, every every model was wearing like one to three strands of pearls yeah. of differing uh, sizes. Who had the single pearl earrings? Givenchy. That was Givenchy. Yeah. To be like dope. pretty grannied out. For a man is pretty aspirational right now. I think so. Yeah, yeah. totally. ASAP Rocky yeah. and the babushka is like yeah, babushkas. Like Mark Jacobs level. did the babushka pearls. the other night. Yeah. yeah, Mark Jacobs is like the flyest granny out. 
ASAP <laughs> <laughs> Rocky and the babushka is just an amazing, so fun to yeah. say. Yeah. yeah. It's like, also crazy how, like, we were all like, why is he wearing that? He's so advanced. And then when Sam <laughs> interviewed him, he was like, I, what was oh, it? was raining or he, something, right? No, he cut his cheek. Uh, he wouldn't tell me how, but but he had, like, a little scar. He got plastic surgery to, like, cover it up or whatever, but he, you know, was still healing. So he wore the babushka. Oh, yeah. Omerita Sam, good job. You didn't spill the beans on them into the microphone of corporate lunch. Nice work. <laughs> you're gonna get. You're gonna get. Uh, you can be in the ASAP mob now. <laughs> Congratulations, ASAP Doily. Just in terms of in terms of trend life cycles, though, the first time I noticed the pearls was the Raf show at Gagosian in New York, I think, which was yeah, three was years ago or something. It was his first thing in New. Like he came to New York for Calvin. And he was like, okay, I'm doing everything here now. So he showed Raf his Raf Simmons collection at. Gagosian, right? This mm-hmm. happened, mm-hmm. yeah. And fall they all they all had like pearl chokers. Fall twenty seventeen, and the pearls are still running. So shout out to whoever started wearing pearls in fall two thousand seventeen. Mark Anthony Green wears p- pearls. Didn't Pharrell? Wasn't Pharrell first as usual? I think so. Yeah, yeah. Chanel yeah. Pearls. Chanel pearls. Yeah. yeah. Source. It's funny, man. Pharrell's the god of the whole thing. It all goes back to skateboard fucking pee. It does. It's pretty crazy. It's undeniable. Like all the, all even the little, even like the, the, the Jonas and Shias and the, you know, like even every, every aspect of like eclecticism and like odd mix and match stuff and, um, kind of just like going against the grain in general. I mean, you got to remember like he, when he was even just in like a trucker hat and like some cargo shorts, it was crazy. Like that was pretty crazy. He, I mean, he, I guess he was dressing like a skater, sort of, not directly, but that's. But he was, was just being alternative vibe. at a time where in hip hop you could not fucking step out of line. Yeah. And then there became a whole nation of young black men who were like, "I was weird and got made fun of and beat up in high school." And then there was Pharrell, a beacon of hope. Yeah. American hero. He deserves a presidential medal, medal of fashion freedom. Presidential medal of. <laughs> Yeah. Not under current president, but maybe Obama can come back from off the bench and give it to him. All time fit lord. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have kind of a thought, but I, I don't want this to like come off the wrong way. But I feel like for a couple of years, this all goes back to like this kind of moment we're in that began two years ago. But there were a lot of little collections that were kind of bubbling around that. I don't know if they broke through, but now they feel really essential, really strong, and not like newcomers, but they feel like really like the backbone of it. And my notes on those collections, which I thought all these were amazing and, you know, just two years ago felt like on the come up, but Lueve, Jacques Mousse, which I thought was really good this time. Rachel, I want to know what you think we haven't discussed because I know you have mixed feelings, but he took the show out to this like lavender field in the south of France. And I thought the pretty pictures. Um, it looked gorgeous. Yeah, he's he seems to uh, have a, a good like vision for what he wants to do. Yeah, Se- kind of a show god. Yeah, uh, and then it sound, seemed like there was a big like country party after that. That like a rave in a lavender field. That seems like a good vibe. Uh, Rachel's still not it's saying the, anything about Jacques Moose. I'll take that to the, mean she's not. So tight. Oh my second second memoir. <laughs> rave in a lavender <laughs> <Yeah>. field. <laughs> Check it out. It's like eighty pages. Super <laughs> dialed. Um, Cesar Marjan showed in Paris this time around. I thought that looked really strong. He also dope. did something that I thought was cool. He showed men's, he showed women's, he showed a resort collection that's available now, and he showed he mixed like all these things together. Yeah, no one ever does that. It's a pretty s- simple concept, but I think the more people start to just be like, "Oh, I'm going to do it this way," I'm going to show him Paris. I'm going to show him everything I got right now. I had this idea that like, what if the fashion world was more like the music world where there are designers who make collections as the, as there are musicians who make albums when they make them, they release them. Then they go on tour. Yeah. Like if you kind of fractured the whole thing globally and it would still have to go onward. This is my pitch to like uh, Bernard Arnault. I don't oh, know wow, this is smart. <laughs> do you sure you want to be finishing this into the microphone? I think it's a really good idea. I just think if you, like, I went to a really good concert the other night. It was Dead & Co. at City Field. It was sick. But I was like, fashion could kind of, like, could be more like this experience. It could be fractured and global and on a touring basis. No one has to do anything in line with each other. You could still sell and, and retailers could still be seasonal like that would still work and i think people would show up to go see it in person yeah people it, might buy tickets 
You just need a bu- you just need a bunch of models to go walk again. Yeah. Take them on tour. I think you should you should potentially pay Sam Hine to delete all this <laughs> instead of giving it away on corporate lunch. These well, are the gems that we're famous for. Because I, I've I, heard. Go ahead, Sam. Yeah, at PT Womo, there was um, that was sort of actually done in practice by Luisa Via Roma and CR Runway. They had this big like. 60th anniversary show or 90th anniversary show for um, Luisa Villaroma, which is a, a, a Florentine boutique. and Has been around for 90 years? I think so. It, yeah. yeah it's or 60 years? 60 years. Either way. Florence is mad old, dude. Um, <laughs> so are clothes. And, uh, <laughs> and they filled like a, they set up like a full stadium arena around like the huge um david you know like uh recreated sculpture on the on the hill i, I forget what it's called but um and they had i think like five thousand people there and the casting was just like absolutely insane they had 90 looks so i think it was the 90th anniversary and it was like every like super super famous supermodel um and then just like lenny kravitz came and performed <laughs> it was totally over the top Did he play, totally Are insane you go my way? uh i sprinted out of there um <laughs> And uh, people were into it, and they sold tickets. They sold tickets that people bought to and see a Lenny Kravitz show, or just to, to see, see the fashion? fashion, to see everything. And it wasn't new clothes; it was stuff that was like that's going in stores this season that we've already seen. One thing that's encouraging about um, going to fashion shows is a lot of fashion people, like notorious fashion people, you know, like kind of famous fashion people, who you think are probably not very nice turn out to be super nice and kareen is one of those really kareen is so polite and sweet yeah anyway it's nice it's always good to hear thank god i don't know if fendi could like sell out city field but i would like <laughs> no, to see no, there like could what be, that there would could be, be like. club shows yeah. hey look this this is an idea that's under development hold on i can finish my list <laughs> it's all about returning back where were we but it was Louis Jacques Mousse, Cise Marjan, Alix, which we've talked about, and Bodhi, which we've talked about. But all of those feel like two years ago, it wasn't clear what, what they would be, and now they feel mm-hmm. like so soundly. This is like the generation after acne. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I'm here to say that I'm psyched on it. I'm also here to say, generally speaking, I thought so much of what was shown this season was really good. Jill Sander like, was really Jill elegant, was a beautiful show. Jill was Rick great. Owens, once again, I thought was phenomenal. Um Marnie Fendi, you know, that stuff in Milan, I thought Fire. was really strong. I just think Dree's really strong as usual. There's not a lot to be mad about. No, it was great. It was a super exciting trip. Should we vibe this thing? I think out? so, yeah. yeah. I was going to say, does anyone have any last, last words, thoughts, feelings to share? Nope. All right, let's do some vibes. It's the not-so-fast lightning round of... Um, things that are just making your life a better place for you and your loved ones sam you have a vibe uh yeah my vibe is um so friend of the pod david cassavant is a uh, men's fashion archivist um and he has a little merch line called archive club um where he's printed he's taken photographs of some of his like iconic pieces like you know he has one of those raft bombers that sold on grailed for like 60 grand or whatever and it's just like screen printed you know photos of these things on like sweatpants it's pretty silly um but he sent me it's uh, graphics of clothes on other clothes clothes, amazing god Uh, bless and he sent me um a bunch of temporary tattoos of these pieces clothes on clothes on skin yeah so i'm going back to my desk and i'm gonna put on like a helmet lang one of those like silver astro parkas i'm just gonna like tattoo it on your forehead myself so my vibe is my current Favorite pair of shoes, which I'm wearing, which are sandals by Paraboot. I'm gonna tell you what they're called. They're called the Pacific sandals. They're very hard. They're very hard from. to find. Nice. I love when Noah drops drops Drop a gym. Let me look under the table. Um, Hold on. They're sick. Tasty. You can't see my toes in them. <laughs> you can't. I'm I'm I covered mean, up, so they're they're office appropriate. I I think seeing a man's toenails in the office would be inappropriate, but I can almost see your toenails. I can see from side s- foot from side certain, foot from certain angles. You can clear, see a good amount. Clear windows into side foot. You can foot. see like twenty percent of my foot. I'd say your feet could be a little more tan. I bought these in. Yeah, they're yeah, that's true. <laughs> I don't get tan. I bought these in Tokyo, and I I actually bought them, and then I wore them all the next day. I probably walked ten miles in them, and they were totally comfortable. So these things are amazingly comfortable. I think they. Have the exact look I like in a sandal right now. Churches makes a really good sandal like this too. It's a classic 
style, which I think is called a sailor sandal or a fisherman sandal. There's a term. Mm -hmm. Just men who make their living on the water. Yeah. Feed their families based on the bounty of the great abyss. I encourage everyone to try a pair, but good luck finding some pair boot pacifics. If you can DM Sam Hine and uh, in triumph with a uh, selfie of your foot and a close up of your toenails. <laughs> keep your nails right, dudes. I like no to nails. I like to keep Sam Hine's inboxes <laughs> full <laughs> of tasty. <laughs> He'll never get to inbox zero. <laughs> well, are, we, are we going right to left? Okay. Um, I'm gonna go with well. When I got back from this this two week trip. Um, I was opening some mail and I forgot had uh, forgot about something that might be waiting for me, which was the um, the GQ friends and family only Keanu Reeves T-shirt. Oh shit! Hell yeah! yeah. Wow! Tie dyed by online ceramics. Oh no! Wow. You did not with tags. Wow. Yeah. What? With, with tags. So I have a I have an XL and a double XL. It's two of two, and I own both. That's it. That's a vibe. Jeez. If there's ever been a vibe, it's a vibe. Whoa. I didn't know about this. That's rad. Wait. Just have you seen him yet? speechless. I love it. I yeah, know, I was wearing one around the house last oh, night. Oh, you were? Yeah. I, th- I, I, I couldn't tell if you were saying you were about to open the package or if you had No, you it's have open. It. God damn it, Will. Yeah. I'm going to throw my sandals away. Rachel? <laughs> uh, the Well, this is a little bit like late but whatever the the bob dylan martin scorsese documentary oh everyone Ooh. says wow it's so good are it's you a really big good. dylan fan um well i have to say like re- like reluctantly yes because you know the thing is about being a bob dylan fan is that like you're like what do you think it meant when he changed the lyrics from 1974 to 1976 and what i love <laughs> about this documentary is that it posits that it means nothing yeah. <laughs> because like half of the documentary is just made up stuff and yeah. like sharon stone is like has this whole fictional segment where she's like i went on tour with bob dylan when i was 16 they photoshop a kiss t-shirt onto her and he's like yeah i saw this kiss t-shirt and that's why i wore white clown makeup on the whole tour right. all of this is just made up and i just love this like willingness to like mess with all this like dylan you know uh mythology and lore yeah 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 yeah. great attitude uh on what on what service do you did you stream it yeah i streamed it. what service do you remember netflix all right i'm going in yeah i've been hearing a lot about it i love when a vibe works like i watch tonight i'm gonna follow up that was an effective vibe yeah that's why we're going to end on it. This is episode 62. Thanks for listening. Welcome back, Will. Always good to have you. Thank you. We'll see all- It's only one vibe now? Oh. So easy. No, I'm we down. can do another. No, no, no. no, no. I'm good. I'm good. I'm it's good. more of a time thing. Love you, mean it. Come back, Love you, mean come it. Come back for more vibes next time. Three-peat. Three-peat. <laughs>